You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 40. I feel like I start every single podcast of late by apologising how long it's been since my last podcast. (laughs) So apologies for that and apologies for it being some time since my last one. Just been busy being back in the gym. So that's kind of where I've been. Get back training clients after four months away from the gym. So that's what I've been doing. So hence the long delay with this podcast today. But it's going to be one that I've definitely wanted to do for some time. It's something that I'm really passionate about. And that is something that I find a big problem of late within the, the health and fitness industry and something that I wanted to speak about. And, and today I'm going to be talking about pain in training. I'm going to be talking about fear-mongering. I'm going to talk about how it leads people to become really fragile and really scared of actually participating in resistance training, essentially. So you've no doubt been training, whether it's been for some time or just started. I would probably say this is more for those people that have not long been maybe resistance training and they've started to experience pain because people who have been lifting weights a while, and when I say a while, I mean five years plus. So I would still class someone relatively new to training, albeit it's been a year to two years. Um, Because usually people who've been doing it for some time have a real, more of a grasp on pain and these aches and things like that. And, And they're not as fearful of them as what a lot of novice um, trainees are. And it's extremely common experience that I get asked about on a day-to-day basis from my clients when they may experience some sort of pain when they come in to see me. So I wanted to do this podcast to tell my listeners today what I tell them. And I want to give you some basic concepts about pain, provide you with some knowledge and strategies to hopefully self-manage and most importantly help you feel less fearful of lifting weights. So if you are somebody that feels like they are quite worried about participation in resistance training of the fear of getting injured, then this one's for you today. If you know somebody who feels that way, send them this because I'm going to go into hell of a lot today that will hopefully help you give you some good confidence to actually get involved in something that's so beneficial from so many aspects of health most people view pain as a catastrophic thing and they think that the body is like a machine and that is prone to breaking down and wearing out they think that pain serves as an accurate indicator of damage to their bodily tissues And the idea of hurt always indicates harm. 
Now, this way of thinking does make people believe that painful activities should be avoided at all costs. And even the research suggests that this view is commonly perpetuated in society and by healthcare professionals. But over the past several decades of research, it's shown it to be inaccurate, that we shouldn't avoid painful activities at all costs. And the body's not a machine and the humans are complex organisms with many different differences compared to machines. We have the ability to adapt. Now, pain is a complex experience that is more related to the perception of threat and the need for protection than active tissue damage. Experience with pain can be influenced by a number of biological, psychological and social environmental factors. There is typically no single pain generator that can be isolated in the complex experience of pain. Every experience of pain is influenced by varying combinations of biological factors such as nociception, inflammation, visual, visual, auditory inputs, fatigue, training load, illness, sleep. And as you can see, just from those biological factors, there's quite a lot of them. But what we tend to pinpoint and identify is it's just the training load in there as the main cause of pain. So when you are training or you've just started training, you experience this pain, straight away, you will probably point the finger at the training and the, are there a particular exercise or not just you, but a friend of yours or somebody else or um, a health and fitness professional or a healthcare professional, a doctor, physio, chiro, osteo, they might just point that finger at that thing because that's very easy to do. And, and it's a bit of a cop out for people I find is when somebody goes to see one of these professionals with pain, the first thing they'll say is, what have you been doing that? client will say I've been lifting weights oh what have you been doing in the gym been doing deadlifts oh it's the deadlifts and and I find it mind-boggling that they just pinpoint it the pain on one small factor of the many biological factors that I've just mentioned that are associated with pain no one talks about sleep no one no one talks about any form of illness that they may have not to mention the psychological factors such as fear, anxiety, expectations, prior experiences, stress, mood state, attention. There are other things that can be, that can influence pain. People fearful and anxious of actually participation in exercise is just going to be made far worse if somebody is saying, don't do this, avoid this, and making them feel like they need to be wrapped in cotton wool. Prior experience is a massive one. You might have experienced pain in the past from doing a certain movement or activity anywhere, and you're relating back to that past experience, which again can trigger this really complex pain coming on again. And we have social and contextual factors such as reactions from others, knowledge of others' experiences and surrounding environment. Now, this is a big one reactions from others. How many times have you gone to the gym and, and, and somebody's made a comment on something that you've done or you posted something on social media of you doing a deadlift and then the form police pop on and be like, 
who you were deadlifting wrong. Um, you shouldn't be doing that. That is bad for your back. And you're like, says the guy who sits on his ass fucking playing video games all day, all of a sudden he knows to, he knows to talk about how to deadlift. Like, this is what we're up against. Expectations, um, back, to, back to the psychological factors, expectations of how we should lift is a big one of what we've been made to believe because of certain people making you think that there is a perfect way of doing things. Other people being injured in the past is a big one. If you, you may have, you usually hear of horror stories, right? Or, or what you see on YouTube, it's all for entertainment. They're not going to show a perfect, a perfect, even though perfect doesn't even exist, a perfect deadlift where nothing happens and somebody just does a really smooth deadlift or a really smooth squat. They're going to show somebody the small percentage of people doing it and doing it wrong. And not just that, the extreme of that, whether it's a powerlifter, a powerlifting meet, trying to lift 400 kilograms on his back. Chances under that external loads, there might be more of a possibility than you, the general population, lifting 20 kilograms. So there's a, there's a big difference there in how all these things can contribute and all these factors combined, the interactor result in the emergence of a pain experience, which then drives an individual behavioral response. And there's actually a poor correlation between the severity of pain and the degree of tissue injury, if any at all. So in other words, just because something hurts more intensely doesn't necessarily mean that more severe damage is occurring in the tissues because pain is a non-linear experience. And this is what I really want you to understand, all those things that I've just mentioned, like there's shitloads of it, right? There's shitloads of them. There's, we cannot just pinpoint one thing. So if you are experiencing pain, understand it could be a combination of all these things to understand and break it down to what it could be rather than just pointing the finger at one thing or listening to somebody when they tell you it's just one thing because it's so complex and there's so many things going on. I couldn't tell you how many times that I even, I even wake up with aches, pains, things like that. But I understand this stuff so much so that I'm not fear-mongering myself or letting, letting other people influence me to fear-monger me into then not participation not participating in something that's so good for me to do. And this is what you're getting across the whole health industry at the minute is fear mongering and making people believe it's down to one singular thing when it's not. This idea of threat is even more common when it comes to lifting weights. It is thought of as inherently unsafe or unsafe in the absence of perfect technique which I just mentioned before, doesn't actually exist. We have this obsession with perfectionism, probably from this idea that the body is a machine when, again, it's not. We're a human being. And most people need to understand that us humans can adapt to a variety of movements, positions, when dosed and loaded appropriately. We're robust. Think of a wide variety of the movement styles that we observe in humans across different sports it's crazy and this movement idealism really does need to stop it's okay for someone to go into spinal flexion doing a yoga pose but as soon as someone does it a little bit doing a deadlift everyone shits themselves 
and and this is again what we're up against it's oh you're you're you're, you're back rounded a little bit you're gonna herniate a disc you're gonna paralyze yourself imagine picking up your luggage from the conveyor belt at the airport imagine picking up your mate on your shoulders when you was a kid growing up and not going into spinal flexion no one batted an eyelid but all of a sudden you're doing a deadlift and everyone freaks out and again i'm talking about loads that are not even heavy for the most of the population and what they even lift anyway you even see power lifters who will be flexing the spine lifting like 500 kilograms <laughs> from the floor and they're fine they're okay they're not but again going back to that you always see the extremes the one in a million times something bad happens you will see that that's what you remember and they're the past experiences that you remember but that doesn't likely relate to you you're likely someone who is fearful of picking up 10 kilograms from the floor yet very happy to pick up luggage from the airport without batting an eyelid about doing it and no you shouldn't do but no you shouldn't be so scared about picking up the deadlift but i'm not saying that's necessarily your fault but it's somebody who's made you feel this way and it is making humans become weak and fragile and i don't blame the general population and people in general for feeling this way i do blame the fear-mongering from the so-called health health and fitness professionals that we have out there and the clinicians and things like that who they don't even engage in physical activity themselves and they don't even understand progressive exercise themselves they're giving people a problem so you buy their solution they're telling you that this is bad for your back so instead buy my fancy program that's got fancy exercise and that's going to bulletproof your back how the fuck can we make such blanket statements like bulletproof your back like it's absurd i can't even believe people are even buying into this bullshit from these people you know the cross and tick wankers on instagram who have got a big cross on a, a picture of someone slightly rounding the back in a deadlift and then a tick with someone with a neutral spine on the other one saying if you do it this way you will slip a disc like like i just said before injury we can't predict injury and think of the positions like i said we get into as human beings across different sports and now we've got into all these positions as a kid and all that and, and all of a sudden now we're adults and we're petrified of doing anything and and we relate it to one thing we'll pick something up off the floor and be like oh i, I best not do this i might break it's like come on we can't live like this and this is just making this whole problem worse it's making your fear of actually getting slightly uncomfortable worse it's making you basically like a, a a loop of feeling pain and then just avoiding doing anything about it to actually get more resilience and get stronger to actually overcome it and move on and take your training even further forward it's just like a cycle of oh i've got a little bit of pain oh, oh therefore i'm going to freak out i'm going to go to the physio i'm going to go to the osteo chiro whoever and i'm not saying some of some of these in these fields aren't good i know some exceptional physios chiros um osteos and and all sorts but a lot of them do fear monger people and be like oh you've got a bad back don't do this take a week off training instead come and see me for the next six months and i'm giving you this 
problem. So you buy my solution and oh, I'm going to do, going to get you in, make you petrified of doing anything, fear monger you a little bit, make you feel like you need to see me. The amount of times I've actually worked with clients in the past all over the world where I've actually basically tried to get them out of this mindset of that the, they're not fragile and they actually can do a hell of a lot of shit and do it very, very well and be just fine. And it goes a long way because with pain, it's, it's difficult, if not impossible, to establish physical positions that are inherently bad across the population. And we even have a lack of evidence to support these claims about inherently dangerous positions or movements. And, and what's really triggered this podcast, and, and it, you know, it might be a bit of a, a rant, this podcast, but I'm, I'm passionate about this stuff. And I want to really put it out there to people to listen to and understand. I've, I've more recently, um, a client of my girlfriend's, Claudia, went to see a physio who I don't know. And he told her that one wrong thing doing a deadlift and she will, she will slip a disc and get injured. This woman has already had past experiences of um, slipping a disc anyway. So we know that's probably a psychological thing with her anyway, that she's already fearful of doing any form of activity, resistance training in general. But for him to then say that to her is just playing into the problem even more. And using that language with people, I can't believe that we're using this fear-mongering language and this communication about physical activity and exercise in general, considering that we've got so many more things that we need to worry more about. We live in a world and, you know, think of the global problems that we have of physical inactivity and musculoskeletal pain in itself. And then people are making people petrified of picking something up off the floor and putting it back down again. And he's probably happy for her to just quit training with Claudia because she's just a PT and we disrespected because people think because they've got letters before the name that they know more than us about this stuff. But that's not always the case at all. And a lot of these people have no experience with participation in resistance training themselves. They don't know about progressive exercise themselves neither. So what they're very quick to do is just tell somebody, again, point the finger at this very massive complex topic of pain and just identify it as and because they have such a bias towards an exercise because they're such a cop out we'll turn around this person will come in i've got bad back pain again unfortunately she didn't speak to claudia first she just started training with her and she went to to see someone again because she's scared she's fearful she's all these past experiences that she may have had and all the things that she may have read about all these things are creating this person to have a very fragile mindset towards resistance training, not understanding pain so much, went straight to see someone, someone who we should be trusting, really, who's given them this crazy advice that they should rest for a week, do nothing, do not deadlift ever again, otherwise they'll break the back. And making this problem even worse for that individual or they're never really going to truly overcome this obstacle that i'm talking about to get today and actually progress forward within their training and get the true benefits of getting stronger and actually getting healthier as well because we know the health benefits resistance training brings someone but because that person wanted to sell a problem don't go training don't see your personal trainer i think i know it all because i've got letters before my name come and see me instead keep paying me to just fucking make you feel weak and fragile, wrap you up in cotton wool, and so you keep coming paying me, 
and the problem never never really goes away for that individual and they just live the life like that and that is what really pisses me off and this is really what i hope changes as a whole in the fitness industry and again even the research supports this that imparting these sort of beliefs with our words has a harmful impact on people and i've seen it a million times working with clients who have a fear of or the, or the report pain or when they go into a particular position or movement they fear reaching above the head because they've been told and they believe they have bad shoulders they fear bending the knees because they've been told they have bad knees and they and and, and they can't do anything they fear bending down because they've been told and believe they have a bad back or my personal favorite you have weak glutes again another cop-out bollocks that i hear so much from so-called professionals in this field it's really baffling because they don't understand the principles of training they don't understand progressive exercise so you'll go in to see them i've done it myself i've been to see physios chiros many times across the world and like i, said, I want to repeat and reiterate i know some really good ones they've told me i have weak glutes just from the visual eye i've got weak glutes thanks mate Using the word weak is fucking negative. Would you think it's okay him saying that to me because I'm confident enough to and, and still want to participate in lifting weights, participate in patient and resist training. I've done it many years. But what about someone who's just started? What about someone that's just walked through the door to see these people and they've just turned around and said to them, you have weak glutes? Oh, well, that's good for their confidence, is it? They are, isn't it? They already know that they are not particularly probably strong, fit, and they're already fearful. They're already hesitant about taking on this new journey, this new hobby, and this new experience in general. You're saying that to them. So what, I remember once going to seeing a physio overseas and said to me, I have weak glutes, stop deadlifting. I was like, all right, right, so I'm gonna stop deadlifting, say 200 kilograms, and do your bodyweight banded bollocks exercises. How the fuck's that going to strengthen my glutes? Because you're detraining me. You're taking me away from lifting weights and putting me into a bodyweight exercise. How's that going to create an adequate stimulus and create an adaptation for me to actually build muscle tissue and get stronger and build my so-called weak glutes? It makes no sense because they don't understand progressive exercise at all. So what I try to do with clients is aim to engage engage them in movements that basically like desensitizes them rather than kind of perpetuate a learned response of avoidance and i'm not just saying all this is my own bias neither i've looked into this the research even suggests that rehab clients who present knee pain are fearful and avoidant of movements like squats lunges split squats because of misplaced fears about things like shear forces that they've learned from individuals who hold a position of authority. So going back to what I said before, feeling like someone has a position of authority, and unfortunately for personal trainers like myself and other, other trainers out there, we don't really get recognized as a position of authority. And don't get me wrong, yeah, you can get qualified in six weeks in what we do. But that's just a small handful of people. I've been doing this for 10 years, and I'm working with people day in and day out and constantly researching and looking into strength training resistance training is what we do and to get other individuals who don't 
understand this stuff and they vary on the medical side of things without having an understanding of the performance side of things really does frustrate me. And I'm not saying us PTs know much about medical, but we, we, we might have a nice, nice balance at least of the two rather than just being so biased towards one, like a lot of people are like some of these people that I'm speaking about who are making individuals petrified of doing anything and like I said fear-mongering them from doing exercises in general even people with back pain often demonstrate significant fear over spinal flexion and extension despite these being normal human movements that are unavoidable during lifting and life in general so what we need to do is challenge these narratives to get people to work towards executing these movements over time with very gradual dosing while providing reassurance and education the meaning of pain i.e the symptoms do not reflect active ongoing tissue damage obviously i understand there's limits obviously i understand tissue tolerance and some of the loads that people can use and be put under of course i do but injury is usually related to more high velocity and unpredictable movements as what it is in a controlled gym environment. So for instance, in professional rugby or football, injury rates are much higher than what they are in the gym. Especially if you go in the gym under the watchful eyes of a good trainer. Injuries that do occur in the gym are genuinely, and generally should I say, not serious. And they most often resolve on their own within days to weeks. And I just wish that some of these healthcare professionals who make people so scared and say things like oh you've got back pain that one wrong move and you're paralyzed would actually look into the research in this area and actually understand that what they're doing is scaring people and taking people away from the magnitude of benefits that they can experience through resistance training and I also have issues with some of the personal trainers who say things like, if you let your technique slip, you'll get injured. I try to stay away from this language myself. And I try to tell the team at the gym to stay away from this language myself because it doesn't do people any good. I don't like this language. I don't want to induce any kind of hypervigilance and a threat around exercise because that's not what it should be. Like We should be building people up and giving them the confidence to do it. With all this being said, I obviously know that um, pain is a big part. And I know people have got pain who are listening to this now and be like, what, but what about my pain? It's been there for a long period of time. It's, it's lingering. It's quite distressing, especially when it interferes with your training and other things that you may do. Obviously, like I've gone into today, it's very complex for me just to give to say one thing and, and I'm not going to give a diagnosis to everybody's pain and what they, what they can do to, to, to fix it. Because as we know, there's a lot of things going on, but I'm glad now. And I hope that I provided you with some of the knowledge that you understand that and you're not just linking it to one thing in general, but I obviously want to give some tips and takeaways here and try my best to, to give you something to take away and something that I, I kind of try to stress to people when they do have some form of some form of pain. And if you do have some routine aches and pains, um, absolute rest from the gym is something I do not recommend. Rest is not rehab. Now, don't get me wrong, while recovery is certainly an important component of training and then adaptation and rehabilitation, 
absolute rest is typically unnecessary and comes with costs as well. Specifically, it results in a loss of fitness adaptations, leaving the individual progressively more detrained the longer they spend away from training. So I'm not a big fan of absolute rest, do nothing. And considering the frequency and intensity of how most people train, that is something that I wouldn't be worried about in the slightest, really, anyways. Find a place to actually start and build build up, up from and without fearing building up as well. So find a dose of exercise that results in either improved or stable conditions over 24 to 48 hours of training. There are no right or wrong exercises for this. So just do an exercise and actually see how it feels period down, down the line and then start progressively adding more load to that movement so you actually start getting the benefits and understand the true pr uh, principles of training, progressive overload and all those things. So you can actually create this adaptation that you're trying to strive towards when it comes to why we do resistance training in the first place to build muscle tissue, retain muscle tissue and get all the good health benefits that that brings and what comes along for the ride. Embrace the process. String together these small victories in order to build positive physical and psychological momentum. Obviously, you're going to have loads of ups and downs along the way. You know, this is never linear, but I want you to build some physical and psychological momentum with your training. Get in the gym, do an exercise, start seeing you getting stronger in that lift. And over time, over time, you're going to be getting the good benefits from what true resistance training brings you rather than being so fearful of ever increasing the resistance of a particular exercise or even doing a particular exercise in general. So find a place to start and embrace the process. Then my last two, manage your expectations. Being pain-free is not typically a realistic short-term goal for most people. Symptoms are always probably going to be a part of the process because you need to learn to probably be uncomfortable or get uncomfortable. And I've said it before to people, you probably need to get an acquired taste for shit. If your goal is to build some lean muscle mass and muscle tissue, it ain't just going to come and be given to you. You have to work for it. It's not going to just come. Aches and pains are something that I have all the time, but it's how the, do they affect the quality of life? No. Do I understand pain and how complex it is? Yes. Does it stop me progressing with my training and having the confidence to do so? 100% no. Remember, hurt does not equal harm. Build self-fishy and be in control. Become more resilient and less fragile. Like I just touched upon, exposure to this uncomfortable feeling is likely what's needed to drive these physiological changes that you're after. Change what's not working. If what you're doing right now is not working, do not assume that just repeating it again is going to give you a different result. It won't. The likelihood is you're going to have to change things. If you, recovery from an injury, especially chronically painful conditions, may require you to adjust the goalpost a little bit and accumulate these small victories over time. Long excessive warm-up preps will not bring you the same results as actual resistance training. The progress you will make will come from your training. Don't get bought into that you need to do all this fancy prep stuff before a training session. This is probably a podcast in itself. You don't need to probably foam roll for 20 minutes for a training session, if foam roll at all. 
rather than spending 20, 30 minutes pissing around in the gym. Get in and get the job done. Lift your weights. The likelihood is your exercises that you'll be doing in your, your training program will be the quote-unquote correct exercises anyway. So don't be fearful of just getting in the gym and just getting to work, getting some warm-up sets in and, and, and starting from there rather than doing these overly fragile warm-ups you believe that you need to do because someone on Instagram, again, or someone's told you that you've gone and seen that you need to do these things. Lastly, seek out a professional. Well, ideally, somebody who lifts themselves, somebody who understands the importance of resistance training. They're not biased. They're not trying to sell you a problem. They promote progressive exercise. And most importantly, they're not a fear mongerer. I hope with this new understanding of pain in mind that you can find more time to participate in resistance training and have the confidence and motivation to make this a way of life. Time, confidence, and motivation are the three biggest barriers stopping people from actually resistance training. The statistics on participation and resistance training are awful in the UK. And as a fitness industry, we need to collectively try and build people up to engage in lifting weights and not continually add to more obstacles like I've mentioned in today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I hope I have done my bit today to reassure you, give you more confidence and build you up a little bit. And I will see you for the next episode. I don't know when that'll be. I'm, I'm going to actually stop ever saying <laughs> But again, apologies for the time with this one. Um, take care and I will see you soon for the next episode.